Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Vine, Tinder, the social media landscape continues to evolve and intertwine itself into the fabric of our lives, especially the lives and socialization of today's youth. Writer Nancy Jo Sales is the author of American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers. If you are the parent or grandparent of a teenager, especially a teenage daughter, this book will probably scare the heck out of you. I recently talked with Sales about the book and what she found out from talking with teens across the country. It shocked me. You know, I think that this has all happened really fast. I mean, cell phones, smartphones only came out in 2007, 2008. And... I think we're all pretty shocked at our, how all of our behaviors have changed. You know, we're just on these phones all the time. It's revolutionized the way we do everything from banking to shopping. And it's also changed childhood. And it has uh, uh, put children and teenagers in situations that are just not age-appropriate and, and sometimes very bizarre. You know, talking to someone that you've never seen and don't really know, that your family doesn't know, having sometimes what seem to be intimate conversations with people, exchanging pictures with people of yourself, you know, sometimes with people you do know, you don't know, that are sexualized or naked. I mean, these are things that just simply didn't exist before. So um, in the normalization that goes on when people want to say, oh, things have always been this way, well, that's just absolutely not true. We just didn't have this sort of technology. And I think that... You know, parents who think that, uh, you know, everything's okay, nothing really to be worried about here, are just in denial because there's an awful lot about it that's about social media culture that's really, um, you know, I would say challenging, if not very damaging for kids. And, you know, parents have to just be more aware, more involved. And, uh, and that goes beyond just like monitoring apps. You know, parents say to me, well, I have monitoring apps, so I know everything. <laughs> But they don't because monitoring apps, and I'm not saying you shouldn't use them if you feel you want to, but they can only catch so much. They don't really monitor everything that goes on. And also, kids are smart. They're digital natives. They're very savvy about how to get around these things and, and uh, you know, have online experiences that you really can't see. Kind of set the stage for us. I know you, you talked to uh, more than 200 girls, ages 13 to 19. I'm getting pretty much a, a cross-section of, of, of the country. How did you set about on your mission of discovery here? Um, well, I wrote a story in 2013 after we saw some really troubling things in the news, like Steubenville, where there was a sexual assault and video went online. And that poor young woman's life was just absolutely ruined by that whole thing. And then there was Amanda Todd in Canada who killed herself sure. after a naked picture went around, screenshotted by an older man. So I said to myself, and, and then discussed with my boss at Danny Fair, the magazine where I work, you know, is this something that is extreme and just, you know, the extreme things that could happen with this new technology, or is this something that is more widespread and embedded in the culture? So I went around and talked to girls in New York and Los Angeles first for the story. The story went viral. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like you said, nobody had really been talking about this. Everyone sort of knew that there was, you know, something really dark going on. But no one had really come out and said it, and certainly no one had interviewed girls about it. So it went viral, and then I did the book. And it was uh, about two and a half years 
over 200 girls, as you said, in states across the country, New York, California, Florida, Texas, uh, Kentucky, Indiana, just everywhere. And I found what was so striking was that a lot of the stories that I heard were so similar. And I think that's because the platforms are the same, you know, like they demand a certain kind of engagement. So whether they're like girls who live in the Bronx or girls who live in Boca Raton, Florida, they were telling me very, very similar stories about um, cyberbullying, non-consensual sharing of nude pictures, um, something called slut pages where, you know, aggregated nude pictures of girls would go up and without their consent, of course. And this was just everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And it, it was so disturbing the way it had been normalized so quickly and girls were just, they didn't like it a lot of the time, but they were just kind of resigned to it. Also, I saw just like a ton of social media addiction. I mean, it was, you know, that's something parents are really concerned about. It was good reason because I think the the uh, phones are addictive. The social media platforms are addictive. They're designed to be addictive. I just did an interview for another project I'm working on with a behavioral scientist who talked to me about how social media companies really, you know, they hire neuroscientists and people from the gambling industry to to advise them on how to make these apps addictive. And children are very, very susceptible to this. In your experience, and I, and I, and I kind of couch this from my experience with our daughter as she went through high school and now made the transition transition to college, did you get a sense that this was a situation with some of these girls where it was because they put themselves in a situation that was unfamiliar and they probably shouldn't have been in, or that they just found themselves there as as part of a peer group and you know maybe found themselves kind of doing this just because that's what all their other girlfriends were doing? I mean, not every kid is the same, right? Mm-hmm. There are some who are a little more adventurous than others. Um, there's some who you know, will go out on a limb and others won't. In general, the teenagers tend to be impulsive and then their brains are sort of set to impulsivity. I mean, biologically so even. So, I mean, um, but I think overall what we're seeing is a culture. And I'm not saying that in a in a condoning way. I think the, the culture has sort of gone wrong right now. But, yeah, it's it's what you said. It's just what you do. You use you send Snapchats because that's how you live right now. You just send lots and lots and lots of Snapchats. And by a lot, I mean sometimes in the thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. I've had parents tell me that after reading my book, they went and checked their kids' Snapchat monitor. I'll tell you how many Snapchats have been sent. And I had a mother of a 14-year-old said I was shocked to find my daughter had sent over 100,000 snapshots. I mean, just think about that. If you just break it down to, like, day by day, it's really you're getting into, like, minute by minute, like every 10 minutes or so or something. So, I mean, this is a kind of documenting of one's life and a curating of one's life for self-publication. It's not always sexual, although there's a lot of sexualized content on social media, for sure, mm-hmm. and hypersexual. Sometimes it's just like, you know, I'm eating bacon. I'm putting on my shoes. Here's a funny face of me. It's, you know, on the face of it, kind of innocent. But at the same time, I think the darkness, the dark side of it is, but they're just unable to just live. 
and just eat bacon without someone knowing about it. You know, it's like always trying to get attention, always trying to uh, self-publicize and self-promote. And this is really what it's become. I, I had a girl in a workshop I was giving the other day in New York said, you know, I read something, she, this is the girl talking, she said, I read something, someone was talking about shower thoughts, like just the kind of like thoughts that would come into your mind in the shower, you know, when you're just sort of on pause and just doing something, you know, that is really an important thing, by the way. That's how we get thoughts. That's how we be creative. Apparently, someone told me Einstein thought of the theory of creativity, like in some sort of moment of repose, like in the shower. Well, she said... Now, we don't have shower thoughts. All of our thoughts are just like, what can I post? And I think that that is just such a change. And when you think about what a childhood used to be and what it is now, that's just a, a, just a, a change that I think anyone would say is unfortunate because children are no longer learning to live in the moment to just discover who really they might be in, in the world, you know? And they're not growing up. They're growing up online. In all the interviews and all the discussions that you've had with these young women and, and uh, oh, maybe some men as well across the uh, across the country, it was there a common in thread in terms of yeah, I, I maybe subconsciously or in the back of my mind think I probably shouldn't be doing this, and I know my parents wouldn't like me doing this, but it's what we all do. It's it's today's oh, yes. societal Oh, yes. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think that was one of the real revelations in the book. And, you know, you hear from the Silicon Valley marketers and, you know, tell us that kids love social media, especially girls love social media. It's making friends. It's being connected. Girls, a lot of the times, hate social media. They hate the pressure. They're very frustrated. This is what I found. They're very frustrated by the constant demand for their attention and constant demand to have to post all the time and document yourself or else you're not popular. They're very troubled um, by the way that what's rewarded a lot of the time is someone who's very, quote-unquote, hot or perfect looking. It's very image-based. They're very frustrated and 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 sometimes troubled and confused by this stuff. But at the same time, they don't really see a way out of it, and they get very resigned to it because, you know, that's just the way it is. And if you don't engage, you can choose not to engage. It's true, but then you're sort of left out of the conversation. So, yes, absolutely. And actually, that is one of the things that makes me hopeful that we can change this culture, is that it's not like they're all in lockstep and just absolutely love it. They would like to see a way to change it. They'd like to see a way out of it. It's just, you know, again, we're talking about something that's evolved over just a few years. There's nothing inevitable about this. There's nothing permanent about it. The technology has just been introduced. I feel like what's happened is we just, as parents and as adults, haven't caught up to parenting around it. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, it was just interesting. Our, our daughter was home over winter break, and she was in her room. She was actually reading a book. And her phone was on her bed on her bedstand, kept vibrating and vibrating. And I finally walked into her room. I said, "Are you <laughs> you going to answer that, or are you needed somewhere?" And she kept reading her book, and she was telling me, "No, I'm tired of the drama. It can all wait." I was pleasantly surprised. One, she was reading and and not had her head buried in her phone. But two, that she seemed at least to have some point in which it was just not 
worth picking up her phone and seeing what the latest Snapchat was. They get overwhelmed. And, and there's a lot of girls in my book who talk about that feeling of being overwhelmed and being just sort of, it's tiring. It's exhausting to be constantly, um, uh, you know, demanded of, uh, you know, a response to something. And especially if they're on group text, it can be very exhausting. And I have girls in my book who put down my phones and say, look, I'm just not doing this anymore because it's just too much. It's just too much. There's too much talking. There's too much fighting. There's too much um, meanness. There's too much engagement just all the time. There's too much sexuality. It's just, it's just way too much for them to deal with. So I think that's very positive that your daughter was reading the book. And that's actually one of the prescriptions that I suggest in, in the end of the book is they just need to read more. They really need to read more. These, these phones are, we don't even know what they're doing to their brains, actually. But we do know that reading is good for your brain, no matter what. Um, so it, it just helps you to learn and to think and to read and to write, to, to read. But I'll tell you one thing about the phone sitting there. When you first described the phone sitting there dinging and ringing and vibrating, just that is distracting from, from sure. focus and attention. And a neuroscientist, actually, I'm sorry, a behavioral scientist told me yesterday, I was interviewing him for a new project that I'm doing, he said that there's a study that shows that if there's a phone like sitting on a table, and by the way, studies say now that we are all almost always within arm's reach of our phone. Oh, I like, completely understand. I believe that. <laughs> right. I'm guilty. So, if there's a phone visible between two people when they're talking, they're not as focused on each other. They're mm. not as just just the phone just being there, not even beeping or ringing, just having it in the in the in the frame of the picture that we're looking at makes people less attentive to each other. What do we as, as, as parents, do you think, from, from your experience with talking with all of these young women, what do we need to do to kind of refocus or realign our, our thinking on, on how we should be parenting or at least be in a position to, you know, to, to try and, and help our, you know, our, our teenaged children to navigate this kind of new landscape? I think the first thing that we need to do is realize that we need to do it. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of parents just sort of give their kids a phone and don't think about it anymore. You know, they might get a little troubled that they see them on it a lot, but they don't really know what they're doing. I think that that's the most common case. Then there are parents who are, you know, really concerned, and a lot of them have come to the talks that I've given since the book came out. The book came out last February in hardcover, mm -hmm. and it's just come out yesterday in paperback. That's why we're talking now. It has this nice new orange cover that I like a lot. <laughs> and um, so I've had the privilege of talking to a lot of parents in the last year about my book and in and, and schools and teachers and organizations. And I think once they're ready to become involved, that's like the biggest, hugest step because so many parents are just not even it's not even on their radar that they need to start having these conversations, conversations about sometimes really uncomfortable things like sexting or like pornography, because I, that's another thing I sure. came to realize when I was researching the book, how much pornography is on social media. And sexting also is a kind of like self-generated pornography. It's, these are troubling things. They're hard to talk about, but I think that's the first step is really not realizing that you need to finding out all you can about what's, going on on social media. There's my book. There's other books that talk about things like limiting screen time and 
you know, having some boundaries about how much time your child actually is on these things. Because I think if you start to really see it as an addiction, which I've come to be more comfortable with using that word as a scientist sort of, sort of um, catching up, I think, you know, yes, just embracing the idea that I need to start, I need to start dealing with this. I'm I'm the parent of someone who's addicted to something. What do I do about that? And not only addicted to a device, but a device that takes them into places that are completely inappropriate. Uh, things that are going on that's inappropriate for their age, not not good for their health and well-being, and also giving them values that I may not share as a parent. I may not think that it's okay to be doing the kinds of things that kids are doing online. And if I don't know about it, how am I going to guide them to know uh, what I think the response to that should be? That's writer Nancy Jo Sales. Her book, American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers, was just released in paperback by Vintage Books. In the author's voice is a listener-supported service of WSIU. I'm Jeff Williams.